In a world of podcasts about movies, sci-fi, TV, and podcasts about sci-fi, TV, and movies, two women chose to add their voices to the fray. Two sisters. One woman was willing to go to any length to explain away plot holes and bad pacing. I don't think, first of all, much like the entirety of this film, I don't think we're supposed to ask a lot of questions. The other, though, had no such sympathies. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. Together, they joined forces to highlight the good, the bad, and the truly bizarre. This is See You Next Week in Space. Okay, so uh, as uh, I was just discussing with you on our production call, this is going to be an interesting week because it's been a bit of a while, and so neither of us remember what we watched. Uh, so that, that'll be, be intriguing. To, it will be. And to be clear, had we talked about this the literal day I watched it, not sure that it would have been that much more clear in my head. Yeah, it was a bit of a weird one, which I guess is the point. Um, but I will still ask my traditional question, okay. which is, um, have you ever wanted to have a team jacket? <laughs> oh, my God. First of all, I'm not quite sure what this has to do with that show because I don't, like, as we said. Um, well, because they, my- I didn't know this from this particular episode necessarily, oh. But when I was doing research, I discovered that they also had a matching jacket that they all wore in some episodes. Okay, here's my answer. (laughs) One billion percent. Here's (laughs) – and and I'll expand upon it Um, in like, okay. Whenever I see – I was going to say sports people. People who – athletes is what they're called. Yeah. I think sports people is actually (laughs) a term. I think it's okay. I guess. But, you know, like professional athletes, they're like warm-ups. Yes. Their gear. The warm-ups they have. I always want that. And I don't know if it's like – I'm not sure what it is. But, yeah, in high school, I think I always wanted – it seemed like only sports people got those types of jackets. Right. Generally. Well, because those, well, because they're the, like the varsity letterman jacket. Yes. Um, and it had your name on it. Okay. And I'll tell yes. you the, 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 <laughs> the specific thing that happened to me. Well, was I was on, I was in a dance group. And when we like got the chance to like order jackets, that was like the highlight of my life. That it like that of we course. had matching jackets and we each had like they had our names on them. Are you fucking yes. kidding me? I thought that was and like the coolest. Like shit. so, you have like an embroidered name on the front part. Then would there be a picture on the back or some sort of like name of the studio on the back or anything? Okay, well here's the thing. Ours weren't that cool. Like, um, I think actually maybe even. Well, I won't say that, but I, I don't think ours were embroidered is what I'll say. Because okay. I say that ours were sort of more like warm-up-y jackets. They weren't like, um, they were more like tracksuit jackets, I want to say, than okay. they were um, 
and they were like windbreaker material sort of um, i see mm. and then on the back yeah it said like performing performance group was i think what we were called i forget now but yeah it had like a little picture of a dancer the you know emblem of the studio and said like performance group and so we were very cool yeah yeah i mean i love it i've always loved well first of all I need I now as I get older more and more you know you you know yourself as you get older I love any kind of um statement outerwear is what how I'll describe it um and so within that realm the team jacket the bomber jacket etc is a genre of jacket that I like quite a bit um and they and I you were going into like a thrift store Mm. And you found like an old Letterman jacket. Would you buy it if it was a good one? Oh yeah. I mean, I would. F- I could. F- I can already feel like you the itch in my fingers of wanting to get it. Mm-hmm. I can already feel it. But the problem then- is, is often when you are at a store where those where it's genuinely like it's still in good condition, especially if it's truly like the sleeves are leather, like they're supposed to be, yeah. and all that. Like that thing is gonna cost three hundred and fifty dollars, <laughs> like yeah. without a doubt. Like yeah. Um, and I did actually recently have this experience because there was this um kind of what would I call it? I'm sure they have these in New York too, like kind of the super fancy vintage shop place. Yeah, yeah, know? yeah. Like the um and, yeah, definitely. And so there's one near me that I would pass looking out at it in the tram all the time. And they have all the bomber jackets that I like as well, which is like, you know, like the silk ones that have like different color sleeve from the body and then maybe like a bit of embroidery or something on it in a design. Um, And so they had some good ones that they always hung in their window. So I finally went in there recently to see like what have they actually got. And they've got so many of those jackets, which is kind of wild that this many even exist. Um, And I looked at one and it literally was like $450. And I was like, (gasps) nope. (laughs) Much as I like this jacket that has like a giant tiger head emblazoned on the back made out of embroidery. (laughs) Like I really want that thing. Um, but like, I, I just, I don't think I can rationalize this expenditure at this juncture. No, because especially if it's, especially if it's silk or like type fabric, it's not like that wearable. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Cause I have a, a cheaper version of that, which I actually quite like that is more, um, yeah, I guess it's probably like various forms of synthetic material that's meant to look like satin, right? Yeah. Um, and that's much more durable, and I get compliments on that jacket quite a lot. But I'm like, oh, there you go. Yeah, it's but it, yeah, I would absolutely if I was in a thrift store. Well, whenever I am in thrift stores, the jacket area <sighs> is a bit of a danger zone for me yeah. specifically. I could see that. Yeah, I really, besides the one little jacket I got, I never participated in anything that would get me a thing like that. And I will say, these guys in this show, they, there's one very brief scene where they all seem to have the jacket on, which is why I was like, I need to like look into this more. But it is a very cool one because it's got black sleeves and then the body part is kind of like... I don't think it's gray, but I think it's like a very light 
um, greenish color sort of thing, mm. like extremely light. And then they've got their like name emblazoned on the yeah, back the of them. The name is the key part. Yeah, yeah, which I'm like, I want that jacket. <laughs> like, I want that yeah. jacket real, real bad. Which I guess is a good transition to say, hello, everyone. Welcome to See You Next Week in Space. I am Sarah Walsh, and I'm here with my sister and co-host, Amy Walsh. And Amy, why don't you tell people who we're talking about who has this great team jacket that I really want? Well, it's a show that I'm sure no one has heard of, um, but it is, we're talking about an episode of Misfits of Science, which aired from 1985 to 1986. I'm not surprised it was short. Yep. Um, specifically the episode we watched was Steer Crazy, which mm-hmm. originally aired on, in November of 1985. Yes. Um, now just fun fact, I won't call this a listener request, but this was actually the reason I know this show even existed was because a person told me about it and said this was one of their favorite shows from childhood. <gasps> oh, wow. Okay. I take, I'm sorry, whoever you are. <laughs> Um, I already was like, well, this is garbage. Well, Um, I like I do. I can absolutely see why this would stick in the brain of a certain type of kid. And then as an adult, you'd be like, I really like this show. Here's what I will say. I felt like I recognized a lot of people in it. And I felt like they went on to be or slash already were this time. I don't know, like actually good actors and stuff. So it wasn't it's it's one of those weird things where like it actually had a good cast yes it did and we will be talking about them shortly but just so that we have our kind of lay of the land here the imdb mm-hmm. description of this show is quote this is the adventures of a team of misfit superheroes i don't know that i'd call them superheroes who fight crime for a scientific think tank i don't even know okay wow okay Definitely didn't read them as superheroes. No. They do have also, powers. Don't know what it, okay. But the powers come it. from science. Okay. Maybe I'm forgetting the show anyway. But I don't know what a scientific think tank means. So think tanks or the phrase think tank I don't even know if people use it quite as much as they did in the past, but like, um, it's like a brainstorm. No, a brainstorm is something that you do kind of not on your own. You can do it with people too. A think tank is like, um, an organization or an institute, let's say. Uh Um, and I think this one is called something like Humanidine Industries or whatever. But um, the point of it is, so just think tank, separate from the word scientific, just means that this institute or organization is dedicated to a certain kind of creating of space just to come up with ideas. So it's like maybe a more super formal version of brainstorming. And what people who work in think tanks are meant to do is they're primarily researchers working on whatever the think tank's kind of main uh, focus is. So you can have a a think tank dedicated to foreign policy. You can have a think tank 
dedicated to wellness. You could have a think tank dedicated to um, like child protection. You could have, and in this case, they have a think tank dedicated to scientific research. So that's okay. what this is. Um, and I don't really know if these institutes continue to exist in quite the same way, but like, especially in the 80s, this was perceived as basically having endless money with which to do any kind of random thing that you might think to research, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, I so mean, that just sounds like what rich people do now, still, always. Well, I guess so, but this is like, it's official, it's a job, money comes yeah. in, money goes out, you know, like, <laughs> there's there's at least some kind of rules to the game. Um uh-huh. What is intriguing here uh, with this particular show is um, there's basically nothing interesting on Wikipedia about this show. Um, There's barely any information to speak of about it. Um, And I don't know if that's because it was not airing for terribly long or what, um, but there's really the kinds of kind of like interesting backstories that I normally... There's nothing, you don't know anything about like how uh, <laughs> successful it was. I guess it wasn't if it went off the air, but like critically or. No, it says. Wise. Let me have a look at just in case I missed something. I would love to get but... whoever the listener was or whoever it was who told you about this. I would love to get their opinion or their uh, nostalgia take on it. Yeah, no, this this doesn't have anything to do with like. Yeah, because that's right. Normally on Wikipedia, they they'll talk a bit about like this came, this was this, and yeah. blah blah. blah. <clears throat> there's nothing. Um, wow, interesting. Very interesting. Interesting how there's nothing interesting to say about the show, I guess. <laughs> um, but let us turn then to the cast, which I think is where the interest lies. Um, yeah. So the the head. Of the misfits of science. This is also kind of funny because as we'll see in the show, this team actually is known in the show as the misfits of science. That's why they have the jackets. Oh, okay. So they're known to the world as the misfits of science. Did, okay, um, I have a question. Did they name themselves? Because they're, that sounds like a thing that like nerds would do. Yeah, probably. I, maybe the first <laughs> pilot episode would cover that, but I've not seen it, so I'm not totally sure. Okay. Um, but the head of the group is a character called Dr. Billy Hayes, um, and this is played by a 34-year-old Dean Paul Martin, who is the son of Dean Martin, famous oh. rat packer. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I guess, I mean, this is a bit sad. This is also a cast where, like, quite a lot of it is a bit sad because, um, Dean Paul Martin, this was, like, his biggest acting gig up to that Mm. point, um, and then he died in a tragic plane crash, uh, like, the year after the show ended in 87. Yikes. Um. Like, a plane crash... I don't know why it has to, I have to, like a commercial plane crash or something or like a small. I think it was him flying the plane. Like I think, you know, he was one of those people who was into that sort of thing. Yeah. You know what? Maybe, I don't know if this is even a hot take, but like, guys, 
don't do that. Like, there's so much, so many times those private planes or those, like, single person. I know that people are, like, can get those licenses, but they die so often. (laughs) I know. Well, I'm actually, like. happens so much. I'm actually looking at this. So he, uh, this wasn't just, like, somebody who's, like, I'm an enthusiast kind of thing. He got his. He actually was, like, a real pilot. Yeah, he got his pilot's license at 16 um, and became an officer of the California Air National Guard in 1980. Okay, fine. I guess you don't count as that, what I just said. Yeah, and so he was in the Air Force for a while and he... Oh, wow. I'm seeing pictures um, of him in the Air Force. Okay, fine. I take it back. But still, it's dangerous. Like yeah, so okay, maybe and it's it not was a during thing, but it's and it was during a training mission in '87. That's what he died from. Okay, okay, I'll take it back. It's not the pilots. It's not so much that, but I do feel like non-commercial planes seem less safe. <laughs> maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, about that. and the air I force mean, is a whole different thing. But like, yeah, and he was married to Olivia Hussey. I didn't know know that, that but that is the girl. He was only 35 when he died. Yeah. He was married to Olivia Hussey in 71. Um, She is the actor who portrayed Juliet in that older Franco Zeffirelli version of Romeo and Juliet. Oh, she's Um, gorgeous. She's super gorgeous. They got divorced in 78. Then he married Olympic gold medalist ice skater, Dorothy Hamill in 1982. Um, Wow. He also dated Candace Bergen and Tina Sinatra. So this was Damn. quite a man. <laughs> so, like, stay out of planes, everybody. Like, the plane thing is terrifying. Yeah, man. Um, but so, yeah, it's good to know that he didn't die as, like, you know, the way Harrison Ford constantly keeps crashing his planes. He died um, actually <laughs> serving in the thing? U.S. military. <laughs> yes. Look I- well, not right now, but if you were interested, Harrison Ford has like crashed so Regularly many planes. Regularly crashed. <gasps> yeah, that you're you almost would be like, are you trying to send a message about how you don't like your life and maybe you wish you weren't married to Callista Flockhart anymore? Like, Damn. it happens a lot. It it's kind of shocking how often he crashes oh. planes. Um, <laughs> That's insane. That's like okay. I I will look into that later. That is an interesting yeah. tidbit about him. Yeah. So this is Dr. Billy Hayes. And, you know, it's, it is one of those things where I'm like, he was fine in this. Like, he was no worse than anybody else. And, you know. He's a pretty if, face. I get it. Yeah, you could see that if he had lived longer, perhaps, like, he would have gone on to be in some more stuff. But that isn't the way th- this went. Or yeah. maybe, like, from what I was just reading, it might have been that he kind of was already trending toward preferring being in the Air Force than doing acting. Yeah. So. You know, mm-hmm. um, and then we have the character Dr. Elvin L. Lincoln, played by a thirty-year-old Kevin Peter Hall, who we've actually talked about before because he played the Predator in the original Predator film because he is seven feet and two inches tall. Whoa, was he this tall? Was he that tall in this show? Like, was it obvious yes. he was that tall? Okay, yes. I really don't remember this show. <laughs> Because that was the gag of it. So Dr. Billy Hayes, Dean Paul Martin, is just a scientist. He has no powers. Dr. Elvin L. Lincoln, the 
gag is that he's like this very tall man in real life, but somehow science has given him the power to shrink down to real small. Oh. Okay. So later on, we'll be talking about how he interacts with a mouse when he's small. Um, wow, I... Okay. And then... And he, too, is yet another one of these, like, tragic things. He also died at the age of 35. In his case, because he got AIDS from a blood transfusion before people were, like, making sure that that couldn't happen. Holy shit. And what year does that? What year was that? That was also, like, 87. Yeah, or, like, or maybe 99 or something. Like, it was also early on. Yeah, right that time. Yeah. Um, Damn. Yeah, it's, like, it's a weird... It's almost as though if you were on this show, your life is cursed, you know. Um, Yikes. uh, Yeah, 91 is when he died. Um, Which, yeah, it's just sad as, man. I don't know much about blood transfusions, but did they, like, update how they did blood transfusions so people didn't, couldn't, they would test it first or, like... Well, yeah, it is, to me, it's weirdly late for it to be 91 that that would happen. Yeah. Um, but I guess it did take a while for the protocols to come into place because that is now standard that you like someone donates blood. Yeah. Someone donates blood. It gets tested for a variety of things. And if it doesn't meet those qualifications, you would, you would not use that blood, you know? Um, but at the time, yeah, I guess those procedures were still being worked out. Um, and so... Yeah, it sucks. I mean, I remember that era where pe- there were various people who were like featured, like and especially because it would sometimes happen to a kid, you know, Oof. and so then it would be this feature of like, look at how terrible AIDS is, you know, and like, oh, yeah, it was real bad. It was really bad. Um, then we have a character called John Johnny B. Bukowski, played by a 25-year-old Mark Thomas Miller. Um and this is directly from IMDb. So this is like what I mean about this cast possibly being cursed. It said, in 1991, he was in a disfiguring accident that stalled his career. So he became a building contractor specializing in home remodeling for the handicapped. Jesus. Which he did until 2003. Oh my God. Yeah. So I don't know how, dis- I don't know how disfiguring this accident genuinely was. Um, but it's kind of like, again, it's too bad for stalled career. This is only his second credit, um, in his oeuvre. Um, and again, like he wasn't, he wasn't a standout on this show or anything, but like, there's no reason to assume that he couldn't have gone on to get another gig, you know? Yeah, Um, because I don't know if these pictures I'm seeing are accurate, but I see some pictures that look like him later in life potentially and he looks fine yeah i I don't know yeah it looks like he not quite sure it looks like he tried to sort of come back in like the mid 90s he's in a couple of tv episodes and then again like in the early 2000s and then nothing um i don't i don't yeah i don't know that like you know disfiguring accident seems a yeah, lot to big. say but um <laughs> what do i know uh and and admittedly like it's interesting because like the it's not like i don't think hollywood isn't superficial now but 
Um, I do wonder if back then, you know, like a disfiguring accident is like, I just have a really weird scar on my yeah. neck or face, you know, in a way that now people will be like, there's ways we can deal with that. Like it's not. Well, and especially for men, I would say. Yeah. Like it seems like it could make you more distinctive. But sure. yeah, and I do think there, like, obviously, we know Hollywood is very, <laughs> like, um, looks based, but I do think there is at least a public push for things to be more uh, inclusive of all looks, types, and whatnot. Yeah, like the the demands of being like classically attractive. I don't um, think it's quite there yet, but it's I think not, that at least the- it's not <laughs> gone. It's not gone, but it's also living alongside an like an yes. existing other thing where it's like you can also yes. just look like a regular person and be a good actor right. and like that's fine. Um but then speaking of someone who does not look like a regular person because she's way cuter than any regular person is the character <laughs> Gloria Danalo, played by a 21-year-old Courtney Cox. Um, oh, man. Yeah. So what I did not know about her, she's from Alabama originally. Did you know that? I, yeah, I did. Do you want to know why? Why? <laughs> Cause you because you love friends and you know everything about all the friends. No. But, but because on Friends, she said – she had some words that she said where I was like, what? why does she say that word like that? Mm. And I was like, it really sounds Southern. And, like, she's got, like, some sort of – no offense, but, like, speech impediment. And <laughs> um, <laughs> I was like, there's something up with the way she says certain words. And I remember looking it up and figuring that out and being like, that's why. And you're like, she doesn't sound like she's someone who's born and raised in New York City, as the show proclaims. Absolutely like- <laughs> not. I mean, she doesn't She doesn't sound Southern. Like, it's not like she has an accent, but there's words. Like, I – oh, God. Okay, I could get into it. But, like, there's the, the, the vowel E and the vowel I in a lot of Southern people's vocabulary yeah. Yeah. is the same letter. Oh, so, I see. For example, on Friends, there's a character called Ben – and she says that word a lot because it's her nephew. And she calls him Bin. And she's all the time. She's like, Bin. Oh, yeah, yeah. Bin. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, why does she say that like that? But it's something that I know from knowing real life Southern people. <laughs> it's also actually that's like the joke about New Zealand accents as well. Is that E and I oh, really? basically sound the same. So, yeah, like people will be like sex and six is like six and yeah. six. Like it's the yeah. same. Um, or like pen and pin is pin. Yes. Like it's just Oh, that the one same. kills me. Yeah. That one kills me. I'm like, what if you were asking for a pin and someone brings you back a pen and you're like, that's not what I want. <laughs> like, um, yeah, exactly. So I did know that about her because of that. <laughs> yeah. I, I was surprised. I had not quite put that together. Um, mm. she started modeling from a very young age after dropping out of college <clears throat> this um, afforded her the premiere role in the Dancing in the Dark music video yep. with Bruce Springsteen, um, which then catapulted her into various appearances on Love Boat and Murder, She Wrote. Um, oh, interesting. She also, yeah, she's in a two-parter in Murder, She Wrote. She wrote. Oh. She's on. She's only in two episodes of Murder, She Wrote, but they are... I've seen these episodes. They're pretty good. 
And she plays like a a young bride. And then I think it's her soon-to-be husband is the one who's like accused of trouble. Um, mm. And I, I also want to say that it's one of those things where it's a two-parter where like the first part is at the end of the previous season and the second is like the premiere for the next season, I think. That's okay. right. Um, she's really cute in it, and she's also like just she's as young. She's so cute at this. In this, yeah. um, it means, and when she's super young, like I mean, I know I've seen the Dancing in the Dark video, and obviously this show. I've not seen Love Boat or Murder She Wrote, but she was super cute. Yeah, super super cute. I didn't realize this because. I don't remember this precisely, but she also had a character arc on Family Ties where she was um, Michael J. Fox's girlfriend for a while. I never Um, really watched the show, but for some reason I can sort of picture that. I mean, I know I watched Family Ties when it came out, like when it was out Mm. as a new show. It's not one of the ones I've revisited, and I almost don't think it's one of the things you can even find on stuff to revisit. That's a good question. I wonder if it's on anything because I've never seen, you know, I always see all the, they give me those like 90s crap like. Well, this would even be 80s because like you can find Paramount Plus. Oh, is it on Paramount Plus? Okay, cool. That's what this is. I liked Family Ties quite a lot. Yeah. Um, So, and I think the funny bit of that show was like that um, the parents were like, excuse me aging hippies and and then their son was like well michael j fox conservative yeah yeah. michael j fox played alex p keaton alex p keaton right right right. and alex p keaton was like a young republican guy (laughs) Yeah. yeah yuck yuck and like i know it it's i know it was like a lot yes less yuck to be a republican back then but like still yuck it was um, still it was pretty bad back then as well just in a slightly different way yeah i guess what we learned is that it was like a covert of the same situation it is now right like you know? alex alex p keaton by now would be is a the, racist yeah the boomers who are terrible who are like republican racist assholes oh my who god like build a oh wall my god. Alex, like, <clears throat> yeah alex p keaton would be like on jordan klepper like doing an interview being like uh he, he's still president right now <laughs> like, yeah he would he would be in a conservative think tank trying to figure out how to change state laws <laughs> so that abortion could truly be impossible to achieve in the united states aye, aye, aye. correct um although if i'm remembering correctly and this is because he's an 80s republican he seemed much more, he was like a Cold War guy. He was much more kind of interested in foreign policy and like taxation than he was in the like what has become well, the taxation, culture war I feel, stuff. Sure. And I don't remember that from the show by any means, but I do remember that he was always wearing like a little suit, which to me like yes. screams Republican. Yeah. But but I don't. Nothing I like strikes fear in my heart more than a teenage boy in a suit like oh um the worst it just makes me concerned unless he is at a wedding or a bar mitzvah acceptable place or you know like something like or somebody's funeral those are the only like moments when it's okay if he wears it regularly there's a problem 
I agree, and I it probably it probably was his school uniform, don't you think? But still, that's Mm-mm. I think that's still bad. It was no, it was a joke on the show that he would always wear suits, and he also oh. always wore those sweater vest things. Yeah. No, no, I no, I here I'll go I'll go one further. It's not even like just teenage boys in a suit. I don't like person in a suit. I don't mm. like a man in a suit. I don't like that vibe because it's to me. A also d- screams Republican still, and also it just like you're too serious. Like there's something too serious going on here. Like I wear t-shirts and like stretch pants. Like I just can't. <laughs> I um, like a man like in a good suit. The problem is, is when you see a whole cohort of men in suits together. That's when I'm like, I don't like. No, that's terrifying. This. You know, like I was as you were saying it. I was picturing because I like was somewhere recently. Where was I? I was, oh, I was down, like, in the actual <clears throat> city center. Uh-huh. And I was meeting some people for, like, after work drinks or whatever. And I don't, I do after work drinks regularly, but I don't regularly do them in the city center. And the city center is where, like, all the finance, finance bros, bros. Mm-hmm. hang out. And so I saw, like, a pack of guys in their 20s in, in suits that I'm like, it's weird that you're literally like all wearing the same outfit. Like, do you ever horrible. think it's that's horrible. weird? Like that you're, you and it's all your friends horrible. are wearing the same outfit. Um, and so I that like I don't like. I really like. don't like it. No, again, I do not like a man in a suit. And I don't like someone who has to wear a suit for work. I'm so sorry. Like, it's just, it's not my vibe. If you have to, if you're wearing a suit at a wedding, uh, uh, an occasion, I think, fine. That is acceptable. I can get over it. <laughs> Yeah. And yes, even in that case, it can be attractive. It can be nice. Like an everyday suit wearer? No, 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 no. And, I, and that's just a me thing. Like, I get it. It's not like, it's not actually a bad thing. It's just like, not for me. Yeah. So then, of course, we when we return to Courtney, she has her breakout role. Actually, has she, she has her two big breakout roles the same year, 1994. She's in Ace Ventura as his love interest. <laughs> And she gets Monica of Friends. And so her career, of course, blows and up. And Scream. Scream was very close after that, wasn't it? Scream, I think, was 96, I oh, want to okay. say. Um, but yes, because right. I do remember that her being in Scream was like a big deal because, you know, by 96, Friends is like, it's as if there's no other show on television. You know, yeah, like, and her char- and her character was very different because I mean, yes, Monica, yes, because Monica is like you know likable in her way. Yeah, yeah. Gail Weathers is not likable. <laughs> no, and she uh, yeah, and I think even the point of it at the time was to show that she can do yeah I think other so. stuff. And then I guess as well, like, and this show is a part of it. It's like all of her stuff leading up to Scream was where she was this like cute girl, you know, cute yeah. girl, nice girl. Sweet girl. Um, mm-hmm. And Scream was like, this is a real bitch of a woman. She's <laughs> like, uh, so good in Scream, though. I will say, she, she has some funny-ass lines in it. She she has always been good in Scream. I watched... I don't think I got a chance... Did I say to you on text? Anyway, I watched the newest Scream at your recommendation oh, yeah. sometime in the last little while um, as one of my Halloween movies. And you're right. It was pretty good. Like, I would say it's still no original, but it's still no. quite good. And she does. Like, she if she weren't in it, it would really not be even a Scream movie. Like, she is a main yeah, it, component to that. 
Um, now, to round out the cast, this is a guy we've seen in a million things from the 80s. There's their boss called Dick Stepmeyer, played by a 42-year-old Max Wright, who was the dad from ALF after this. Mm-hmm. So we've talked about him. Um, mm-hmm. Also, we will see a cameo uh, performance here by Ray Walston, um, who played the titular My Favorite Martian in the show, My Favorite Martian. Um, he's the guy. He's the old guy who's in this that oh, uh, yes, yes, has yes, like okay. a bit of a romance, let's say, with Courtney Cox in this. Um, oh, yes, okay. So now let's talk about the show, which, I, again, I am hoping I start to remember this as we talk about I it. I really, I like started um, reading the first thing and I was like, yikes, I don't know. But I will say, I don't know if you watched the the link that I sent you, but the one that I watched on YouTube that also had the commercials, the commercials. from their early 90s yes. was so good. <laughs> I was the like... Commercials are my favorite I, part. I know. I was like, I am loving watching these commercials. <laughs> the commercials were 100% my favorite part. Like, I would be... Because at first I was like, wait... What am I watching this on? And then I was like, oh, Sarah did say something about commercials. And I, I was just like, oh, man, I love these commercials. I know. It's so funny because I'm like, I guess like all things, like with time, a commercial that would have so irritated me if I had had to watch it in 1994. Now I'm like, oh, it's nice, first of all, to have like a three and a half minute break where like if I need to make a snack or go to the bathroom, <laughs> I can like just do that. And I don't have to pause anything. I can just go. But if I wanted to watch these things, it's like, do I need an American Express from 1994? Maybe I do. Wait, there was one that was, I can't remember what, there. I feel like there were some that were for things that were so funny that like absolutely are obsolete now. And I can't remember what they were. But it's so funny, the commercial thing, because I love watching stuff online about how like this generation doesn't know about like commercials and like a yeah, show yeah. only being on like at that time and if you like <laughs> like if you missed you, it you back, just it's missed back, it it's back yeah yeah if you okay. missed it you just missed it or like worse of all like what if you had plans on some night and then you like it was like I'm just gonna miss that installment you miss it and you're like can't and then you like can't talk like you're like you see your friends the next day in school and you're like la 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 la, la don't tell me but I'm never gonna see it anyway like no, yeah. then you'd want them to catch you up because there was going to be no way to know, like, for so. the next one. I guess so. Like, I feel like I, re- <laughs> I feel like I remember, like, going to school, like, the day after, like, something, like, oh, God, Jesus Christ. I just had, like, a weird flashback of remembering <laughs> the sad episode of Full House where, like, the grandpa dies and, like, the next day, like, going to school, I'm like, oh, my God, can you believe they killed the grandpa? And, like, that was, like, what we were talking about. Oh, my God. It's so weird. Life was so different. No, because, like, honestly, like, if you missed an episode of anything, you were not going to see it. Because there was no, like, at best, sometime in the future. They didn't even do reruns, did they? they, Well, they might. Over the summer, they would possibly, you could possibly catch it over the summer at rerun time. Okay. Or you would have to wait until there was like possibly a VHS collection of this series as a whole. Like once the whole show was over. (laughs) Yeah, I know that. And like that ain't happening anytime soon. And even with the reruns, like again, you would have to be aware of when to be watching it. Yes. It's, it's Yes. It's a it was a whole different thing. 
And I really do think that it's like unfathomable to people who well, have and grown I do up in the current. Yeah, and I do. I kind of like it because I'm like, I miss the days where there was a finite amount of content that was only available <laughs> for a finite amount of time. And if you missed it, you missed it. And part of the reason why reruns went in summer was because it was like, you should be doing no something doing in summer. Like, yeah. you should be going on vacation. You should be meeting up with friends. You should be going yeah. to play with your kids. You yeah, know, like... It was, it was sort of a subtle, like, get your get the fuck up off your ass. Like, you've seen this already. Like, go outside. Go do something. Just go do something. <laughs> <laughs> Anything at but all. Also, Instead of sitting in front of what they actually used to call the boob tube. Like, just get out of the fucking house, you pile of goo. (laughs) I know, but at the same time, like, like, the thought of, like, even, like, in my world today, like, if I wanted to just, like, in the middle of the day sit down and watch whatever I wanted to watch, it'd be like, well, there's nothing on because it's the middle of the day. Right. Um, That sucks. Yeah. Yeah, it's a wild anyway. it's it it's wild how much it's changed, I guess, in that yeah. sense. Um but so this episode begins with a cold open where we see a meteor flying toward Earth as a, a child's voice sings Twinkle Twinkle Little Star, which very concerning. I don't Maybe. like when kids sing. I think we've talked about this before. Um <laughs> the the meteor hits Earth where cows are then shown eating grass. Which then takes us into the local restaurant. I couldn't quite figure out if they... The trajectory? Well, if this show was meant to genuinely take place in LA and we were supposed to know that because that's where they were obviously shooting. But I wasn't... I didn't get LA because there was a lot of cows. Well, not this part, but later when they go to Venice Beach, it's very obviously Venice Beach. So so like I, I assume this restaurant... Is somewhere in the greater LA metro area, presumably. Oh, probably. Um, and I think then, but what I'm saying is, I don't know if the show is supposed to be set in LA, and we're just so supposed to pretend that we don't know <laughs> that this is in LA or something. Um, but so we're at this restaurant where Gloria, seemingly though she's a misfit of science, so because Gloria, so I forgot to say, um, L, the tall guy, can shrink down. Johnny B can manipulate electricity, and Gloria is telekinetic. So those are their powers as given to them by science. Okay. So Gloria, despite being a member of the Misfits of Science, she apparently needs a part-time job at this hamburger restaurant. Um, (laughs) I guess it's not that lucrative. No, I mean, also, I just, I know the phrase in and of itself, hamburger restaurant, to me is just funny. I'm like, what is a hamburger restaurant? Is that what it's called? No, it's called, it's got some sort of, it's, well, that's a good question. But this place seems to only serve burgers. So that's why I'm calling it a hamburger restaurant. That's, you know what? That sounds like very lame in a certain way, but I actually love the idea of a hamburger restaurant that's not a diner. Like actually like a fancy ooh, now I have an idea. Like a fancy ooh. hamburger restaurant. <laughs> okay. Kind of idea. Yeah. But I kinda like an idea of a fancy hamburger restaurant where it's like you it's all hamburgers but all varying yes. 
meets I guess there are kind of places that do this already but um, like I see what you mean where it's like different you can have like vegetarian vegan different type of meat ones and but like rather than so there are places like this near me that kind of do that but the thing is is it's all still meant to be like carry out you know, yeah. like you wouldn't want to sit down and eat there. Or yeah, I'm I don't. talking like fine dining would be but like. But with hamburgers. A, yeah. And I, we Just could call thought. it hamburger restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> I was, uh, we could call it, what would be like fancier than that though? What's like I don't know. Fancy? Hamburger Joe's? I don't know, man. <laughs> Um, well, Hamburger Mary's already exists, and it's, like, in very specific yeah. places, and it's usually, yes. like, a drag show place. Yes, correct. And they do have very good hamburgers, I will say. Have so. you been to one? There's an there's an equivalent – I don't know if it's called Hamburger Mary's, but there is an equivalent-style one that was in Sydney for a long time, and they had really oh. good hamburgers. Ooh, now yeah. I want a hamburger. <laughs> well, I did promise anyway. myself – Upon me after this as my lunch reward. So that's what I'm going to be doing. Reward for talking to me? Your reward Correct. for having to talk to me? Correct. Well, it's really a more of a reward for getting up kind of early on a Sunday. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's a reward. Um, so we're in the hamburger restaurant. Gloria is at the counter. There are two guys in the kitchen making burgers. And they notice that the burgers that they are making are green and glowing. But they make yep. them all the same. I don't know why. Outside, well, not outside, like in the front part of the store, Gloria's flirting with the um, Ray Walston guy who's, I don't quite understand why he's old and his age causes him to be mute, but that seems to be the thing they're pitching in this show. <laughs> Um, he's got two old woman friends. I also wasn't sure what these characters' relationship to each other was. Like, are they a no super aged thruple? Because, like... Oh, wow. None okay. of them seemed to... Be, like, there was no suggestion that they were related in any way. No, so they I didn't seem like just was like, And then they lived together in that shitty apartment. So I was like, what, is, mm. what are the circumstances? Man, this, that would be progressive for 1985. It would. I, I think it was like one of those things where like, I feel like we could do a whole bit on this where it's like things that are depicted in the 60s, 70s, and 80s that actually look quite progressive, but no one even thought it. So it was yes, just like, exactly. don't even ask it. Like, wh- why wouldn't these three old people live together? <laughs> and you're yeah, like, it's ah. just like old people have to live. Yeah, totally. Be- yeah, totally. I think so. I think that's right. Because... Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we've got this triumvirate of oldies. Um, <laughs> and Gloria slash Courtney Cox gives them their food for free because they're also like exceptionally poor, which I don't really know <laughs> what that's about or the reasons for it. Um, but then, oh, this is actually an interesting fact. So then we go into the theme song for this episode. And we maybe should drop in a little bit of the sound of the theme song because this was written especially for this show. I don't remember what it was, but I'll have to refine it. Yeah, do give it a watch because it's interesting because it's the only thing like in the Wikipedia page that was even a little bit interesting was that this was like created for the show and was seen as like super forward thinking, I guess. Hmm. in terms of how credit sequences were done because it was like meant to do its own 
not story exactly, but it's like kind of like a music video in the midst uh. of the show. Um, and it was seen as like quite a big deal at the time. Interesting. Um, Those misfits, misfits of science, ha, ha. But then when we return from the credits, we get to know that this episode is called Steer Crazy, which I don't even think is really accurate because we never return to the cows again. This is really about tainted meat rather than cows. Um, So we come to the Humanidine lab where all of them, the misfits of science, work. Um, There's a lot of weird like sight gags that happen that I don't think is worth our time. But one of the top ones that we can discuss is that B-Man, the guy who controls electricity, he's also like a rocker. So he's got like um, a a leather jacket. He rides into the lab on a motorcycle with a guitar slung around his back. And he may as well, like, when he gets off the off the motorcycle, he may as well, like, flip up his collar and be like, hey, man. Like, he does, he's like that, like, the whole time. Um, and he can control electricity, but, like, when he controls it, his, like, eyes glow red for some reason. Um, he's like Cyclops. Kind of, yeah. He is a bit like Cyclops. Um... So then we catch up with the old people eating their burgers, which then will turn into trouble. Um, Gloria then calls the misfits of science to come to her part-time job because she has discovered that there are still these radioactive hamburgers. Um, (laughs) And so she's like, my team needs to come and have a look at this. Um, And so basically, I guess what we're saying here is that the the meteor from outer space went into the ground and then the ground made the grass that the cows ate and then the cows became hamburger and that's how they became radioactive. Yeah. Just in I case. I think that's... I, yeah, you that needed makes to sense. know that. Yeah. yeah um, tracks. Sure, totally. I don't think I thought about it while I was watching it necessarily. <laughs> Um, this is when they realize that three of the glowing hamburgers are missing. And this is when Gloria (laughs) remembers that she has served them to a bunch of senior citizens. Um, meanwhile, back at the senior citizen Thruple's apartment, um, (laughs) see, this is the thing is like, they're having this discussion of money, 
Maybe that, they're so poor they have to live together. That's got to be I, it, right? Maybe that's because they're talking specifically about how, so Ray Walston's character, and this is called Barney. And the two women are like, is. oh, yeah. The two women are like, Barney's social security checks haven't been coming. Mm. And so they're very poor. I don't know why they don't have social security checks coming, or maybe they are getting some. Old but maybe theirs are showing up, but his aren't, and they need to rely on all three maybe of them get coming three. to live in their shithole apartment. Um, <laughs> and then the landlord comes in. And he demands even more money. He says, I think he says something about like, um, you need to pay rent for your furniture or something. What? Um, can yeah. you imagine? Can you freaking imagine if that was a thing? Well, I think in probably in some places it could be because remember what there are those mean? weird. Well, because I from that I inferred that the furnishings weren't theirs. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, that's fine. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. Like they came with the apartment or Okay, whatever. that's fair. But here's what I would say about that. Like, okay, because I was imagining it's like the more stuff you buy, the more the landlord's like, I'm raising your rent. You bought that new couch. No. Um, <laughs> but like, it, I, but what seems strange about like calling it like furniture rent or whatever we're saying would be like, if you bought a furnished apartment and that was like, you would make that be like part of the rent. It's not like a separate. Yes. Right. Yes. You know what I mean? Like that's, yes. what, that's what's weird about it. Being like, now give me money for this furniture. Yeah. So the landlord comes in, he starts threatening these old people. Um, I recognized him immediately and then worked out that he was the bad guy from Greece. Um, oh, wait. Like, oh, like the, um, the really bad guy, like with the crater face, crater face, whatever. Yes, yes, it's him. Um, and so in this alter, I remembered that if I, if it hadn't been so long since we watched this. Yeah. Um, but in this like confrontation, Barney then stands up and smashes his fists on the table. The table like explodes, I guess. Um, (laughs) and then as you'll see in my, Outline, I said, the old women also start to hulk out, especially Bessie. (laughs) So so they're, like, freaking the fuck out. Meanwhile, Gloria is um, talking to her her co-misfits, being like, I'm really worried about these old people. We need to go find them. And when they arrive at the apartment, the the old people continue to be hulking out and are now throwing furniture out the window of their apartment. (laughs) Um, which of course has effectively intimidated the landlord. Um, yeah. And so when they get back into the lab, uh, they, Billy starts testing these old people to see what their abilities are. Um, and it turns out that, and these, these are premium old people names. Irma. Irma's wow. vision has been restored to 2020. Okay. Barney can run without stopping. Bessie, in particular, seems to be endowed with like super extra strength, although they all seem to be pretty strong in their way. Hmm. Um, and they basically are like, okay, we just want to keep observing you for a while to make sure that you know these effects are not harmful 
to you for having eaten these irradiated hamburgers. Um, Seems like the the answer is clear, but okay. <laughs> I mean, it's like something has happened. Something very big has happened. Yeah. And right now we're seeing it as a positive, but, but are old people supposed to be super duper strong? Like, are right. these things supposed to be happening? Who's to say? Yeah. Um, they then decide that for observation purposes, they're going to set these old people up in a house. And again, this is what I'm saying in a house that is very clearly at Venice beach. Like, um, as soon as I saw it, I was like, that's Venice beach. I've never even been there in real life, but I've seen enough movies and TV shows set in LA to know that that is Venice beach. It's very recognizable. I mean, it's like the... I think I've been there once in my life and I don't recall it. I honestly don't recall what it looked like being there as much as I recall it the way it's portrayed in movies. Yeah, I mean, they even go so far as to have a scene. So then they set up, and I do, I got to say, I wish the montage would return more to TV than it does. (laughs) Because they have this having fun montage where they're like walking up and down Venice Beach like, I want to say, like, eating ice cream. They definitely roller skate in a line. That's okay, a well, definite. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think B-Man is even playing guitar, like, while they're having the montage. Like, he's singing a Do they work out? Do they, like, do they do yes. like a workout? Okay, because that's, like, very famously, like, Muscle Beach is part of Venice Beach. And that's, like, very yeah. famously a Venice Beach thing. Yeah, because Bessie, the one who has the super-duper strength, does it shows this old lady like pumping more iron than any yeah. of the guys at the place okay. and i want to yeah. say like honestly the guy who plays b-man then just like jumps in from the side and does like electric guitar and it's like and i'm like what is this this is amazing like i really wish more of this kind of energy could get into tv of the present moment in some TV, way tv right now is very serious they're, they're it's like very even, serious even comedies are like we're comedy but it's like dark <laughs> it's a comedy about my alcohol addiction and you're like no it's no it's like a comedy no, about no. how like yeah yeah this is a comedy about how the entirety of my 30s and early 40s was a complete mess because of my gambling problem and i'm like no i don't want that that is not for yeah. me like <laughs> Yeah, it's, that's, um, it's true though. Yeah, this is like it, this doesn't take itself seriously. No, this at is all. very silly. Um, yeah. So then, when we return to the lab, Billy has exposed a mouse to the same radiation as the oldies got, and that <laughs> mouse has similarly gotten extremely so strong. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem, however, is that the the radiation has made the mouse emotionally unstable. And so they're concerned about what is going to happen to the old people. So no sooner do these old people get installed. They at already this, seem like, emotionally unstable. They really like, did that whole like hulking out and throwing front. Like that is correct. emotionally unstable behavior. <laughs> correct. Um, you're absolutely right about that. Um, so then no sooner have they gotten set up in this Venice beach house where they're meant to be observed. Billy calls Gloria and B-Man who've been taking care of them. And they're like, you've got to bring them back for more tests. Something's going wrong. Um, so the old people get very suspicious and they decide that they're not going to be taken back to the lab. 
Instead, what they decide to do is they want to speak to the governor about why Barney's not getting his social security checks anymore (laughs) because it just so happens that the governor is visiting today and he is visiting the local nuclear plant, which of course is a thing that we all know about. Yeah. Um, And Gloria does not tell the rest of the team immediately where these old people have absconded to. But she eventually gets kind of um, coerced into saying because they're showing the mouse like in its cage. They're like, it's in a dog's cage and it's like banging against the dog's cage with such fury that the dog's cage is getting like dented on the outside. And they're like, if this is happening to this mouse, it is happening to these old people. And so you have to start doing you have to tell us where they've gone so that we can figure out what's going on um this is also when they they liken this way the mouse is behaving to something called slam dancing what the hell is that that's what i was gonna ask you if you knew or remembered because i remember the phrase slam dancing from really? the 80s, but I never had any understanding of what slam dancing actually is. Wait, like, and, what are and, the wait, movements? Oh, gosh. I definitely don't know that. But, like, what what did you say? What was the... So... Like, if you just what, heard the word slam... The phrase slam dancing, the, what do you okay, think Okay, I would think would of be? two things. Two things. I would think sort of like a like a dance battle, like sort of like mm-hmm. slam poetry. Oh, um, interesting. Or, so it's like um, it's, that's I guess slam poetry is not like a battle, but it's like aggressive dancing, like a like that. Or yeah, that's sort of like where my mind goes. I don't know why. So I just googled it because I was like, am I? Might- I don't know what this is. Uh, slam dancing is moshing. Oh, okay. But I'm not sure that it really is because, I don't know. I like I think it maybe is something different in the 80s because like you hear about it a lot and people hmm. use that phrase a lot in 80s things. I'm going to do some further research later and yeah, get back to you. Um, <laughs> so they're like, Gloria, you've got to tell us where these oldies have gone to. Um, she cracks and eventually and tells them that they've gone to the local nucle- nuclear power plant. And so we arrive at the plant. Um, and they basically, they've gone to the power plant to speak to the governor. But the governor's like bag man kind of brushes them off so they decide they're going to go look for a back entrance to this event where the governor is going to be speaking and so what they end up doing is breaking through a fence because bessie can bend the bars open and they actually enter into the power plant itself um and meanwhile while they're kind of slowly walking down this weird giant hallway the misfits have now figured out that the reason that the mouse is freaking out and slam dancing in its cage is because the radiation has not only made it emotionally unstable, but specifically caused it to suffer from extreme, an extreme form of claustrophobia. 
Hmm. Not great. Um, And so, again, this is another thing that was funny in this show. The guy who plays, like, the manager of the plant um, is also a couple years away from being Kevin's dad in Wonder Years. It's that same actor. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so there were actors like that sprinkled throughout that, like, I forgot because it's been 100 years. But I remember thinking, like, I know all these people. (laughs) Yeah, they all go on to do other stuff. Um, And so they are noticing that they're about to power up this new nuclear power plant. But then they realize that there are old people walking through the works of the power plant. Like they're in the guts of the power plant. And they're like, we can't turn this on because there are people in there. But unfortunately, there's some kind of radiation leak. And I don't know if it's made clear, but it's almost as though because these oldies are irradiated, they might be the reason that there's this radiation leak now. Um, So they can't shut down the system. The system is powering up. And when it does power up, the place where the oldies have gotten themselves into basically means they're going to get killed by the radiation. They're done. So (coughs) it's not great. But so the final kind of um, climax of this episode is that the old people are trapped in this weird compartment and because they are suffering from an extreme form of claustrophobia and also are super strong because of their radiation, they're like trying to punch through walls and punch through pipes to get out of this thing, which of course is making it harder to actually turn the system off. Um... The mouse then busts out of its dog cage and runs into the walls of the system, whereupon L, who can shrink down, has to shrink down and interact with the mouse to try and work with the rest of the team to save the old people. Um, aye, aye, aye. And as you can see here, I describe that as being smallified. Um, <laughs> L has Shrunken? to... Yes, well, he's been, when Elle's smallified, he needs to interact with that mouse to allow <clears throat> a change to like, I guess it's like the lock of the door that the old people have gotten stuck in, the room behind it. Um, mm-hmm. They fix the door to free the old people just in time. Um, and then we learn that because the old people were exposed to different radiation from the nuclear power plant. They now have lost the powers that the the meteor radiation gave them. So it's neutralized. Um, So basically what we learn is that those burgers turn out to be a great therapy for when you suffer from radiation poisoning. So... (laughs) Because the misfits also got exposed to radiation, the fi- the final scene is them all eating the contaminated burgers as their treatment for radiation sickness. Um, wow. So great! That's a that's one of the, they may as well have done like a high five commercial. Yeah, like oh. or a high five where they both go up like this and everyone's like, and yes, like we did it. <laughs> um, and the final final scene is that Gloria. AKA Courtney Cox has gone a, on a quote unquote fishing date with Ray Walston, who has now lost his power of speech. Um, and that's the show. What's up with that? 
I don't know. I don't know why they're positing that old people can't speak after a certain age. Um, But here we are. So very weird show. Yes. Um, I guess we'll just pile right on or plow right on into (laughs) yawns and eye rolls. For yawns, one yawn is like truly excellent. This engaged me entirely. And 10 yawns is like truly terrible. I was not engaged at all. What would you give it? The commercials really did it for me. I know Um, I did. I would say I was more engaged with the commercials than the show. I don't know. I would say, I think I might go like a five. Like it was, it was Mm. like, I was in and out, let's say. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And also I think because it was like, it's an older show, harder to find. The quality wasn't as good, which also like takes me out of it a bit. Yeah. Um, So yeah, five, I think. Yeah, I agree. I think I'd also give it a five here. Like it was fine. It was very fine, but it wasn't like gonna set the world on fire by any means. Yeah. Um, in terms of eye rolls, one eye roll is like this is a complete world and it makes sense to itself. And ten eye rolls is like this is just a complete dog's breakfast of nonsense. Um <laughs> What would you give it? Hmm. Ooh, that's tough. I also feel like this world was like I feel like also a five where it's like it like there were times when it was like okay I get it I see what we're doing and other times where I was like yeah what like yeah so I feel like a five again kind of yeah I agree with you and I would almost say. That the stuff that was eye-rolly to me was not because of the show. It was because of the 80s. Yeah. That's more what I would say. It's like Well, the 80s in general are a big old eye-roll, I think. Like, yeah. In many ways. In retrospect, we can now understand yes. that. Um, but I will say, like, I guess in terms of final thoughts, I don't think that I liked this but I do think I might recommend someone having just a look at it especially someone of our age to just have that nostalgia hit sure you know because I did genuinely enjoy that aspect of it a lot like as stupid and weird as it was I was like this is why people make like spoofs of these because Sure. It's hard to believe that this was actually something that someone was doing seriously. <laughs> like, yeah. The nostalgia factor is huge in stuff like this. And I would venture to say whoever the person was who like told you about this or you heard about this from, that is uh, – I'm curious if they're – and it, I guess they would have to be like ish our age or something. Yes. At, with, yes. At the time. Yes. Yes. So, for sure. So the, like – Obviously, you see something as a kid and looking back on it and seeing it now, like you definitely view it a different way than like the critique of 2023, (laughs) you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So then I guess I will just turn it to you then. Did you like this and would you recommend it? (sighs) So for me, um, you know, no. I did. I didn't. It's not for me. I, I I like the parts you're saying, like with the nostalgia, and I did like the commercials. 
if I'm going for nostalgia, this is not something, this is not what I would pick, um, personally. Um, so no, I didn't like it so much. And I, I also wouldn't recommend it also for the reason because of the, like, because of the quality, it's a little bit harder to watch. It's not, it's not as enjoyable as if it were like high def. If it were high def, I'd be, I would be curious. (laughs) Yeah, no, it is true that like the, the picture quality isn't good and like, even finding it it's not an easily found show by any stretch but I think I would well I'll round this out by saying I recommend to you specifically Amy and to everyone listening do watch the credit sequence because that is pretty great (laughs) it is pretty great um but otherwise mm, it's a it's a whatever I guess from us about this um but thank you for listening as always I am Sarah and I'm here with Amy and we will see you next week in space thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of see you next week in space this is a production by Amy and Sarah Walsh with artwork provided by Riley Brown if you'd like to learn more about our show please check us out at seeyounextweekinspace.com or follow us on Instagram at seeyounextweekinspace until the next one